Hi, Explorers. Thanks for listening to Kids Who Explore Parent Edition. Come along with us as we cover all corners of raising kids in the outdoors. I'm Adriana Scori, a Canadian Rockies hiking, adventure, and travel mom to my two-year-old Turner and newborn baby Nash, and founder and CEO of Kids Who Explore. I'm Lauren Rodick-Eberly, mama to Collins and Deacon. We love exploring between our two homes in Alberta, Canada and Washington State, USA. Today's podcast is sponsored by Kids Who Explore's Patch for a Purpose. Every time we see our patch out in the world, we feel the love and support behind it. Our patches can be sewn onto backpacks, jackets, bags, or even baby carriers, to name a few. Or they can be carried in your packs as special adventure items for all your little explorers. Our patch comes in eight different colors, and a dollar from each patch goes to a, you guessed it, purpose. Your support can make a difference for all of the following charity groups, depending on which color patch you want to represent. Alberta Parks, Children's Disability, BIPOC and Anti-Racism, Sick Children, The Earth, Children's Wellbeing, Anti-Bullying, and Children's Mental Health. Check out the hashtag Patch for a Purpose to see our patch and the community behind it. That's hashtag patch, the number four, a purpose. To get your patch today, visit www.kidswhoexplore.ca. We thank you in advance for the difference you are making. Megan J. Ward is a writer, editor, digital content specialist, and an all-around storyteller based in Banff, Canada, Treaty 7 Territory, and Mama of Two. An avid outdoor adventurer with a voracious appetite to understand her surroundings, she has established herself as a mountain historian and an authoritative voice in the Rockies' outdoor and travel scene. She has authored four Canadian Rockies photo and travel books, which she collaborated on with her husband, Paul Zizika, a celebrated landscape photographer. She is also the author of a children's book, The Wonders That I Find, and a travelogue memoir, Lights to Guide Me Home. Megan, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I just finished your memoir, and something that really stood out to me was the duality of the challenges and yet the beauty of traveling with kids. (laughs) Can you talk about this? I'm curious if your advice for families who would now be traveling with kids would be go for it, or what would you tell them? (laughs) Well, I'd say be ready for a wild ride. Um, I like to think that parenting is in itself an adventure. And so when you take that onto the road, you're just kind of like amplifying the adventure. And you're also amplifying the demands of parenthood. So it's, it's certainly not for the faint of heart, yet every child is different. And, uh, I definitely struggled, especially with my first daughter, who wasn't the most adaptable child. So I think I would say go for it, but be a little more mindful than I was and take into account like the personalities and the preferences of your children and just be ready to kind of go with the flow. And you talk about how traveling has taught you to live in the moment and take each moment as it comes. So how do you find ways to be present and in the moment on adventures amongst the parenting part? That is a great question. And I I think it comes down to planning for me and being organized. When I know that I've got everything that I need and that I'm kind of ticking all the right boxes as best I can, I can just relax more into the moment. And so, you know, knowing I've got backup clothes and I've got snacks in the car and I've got a plastic bag for accidents, those are actually all the little things 
that help me just kind of relax and then appreciate more what's happening right in front of me because I'm not I'm not kind of tapping into that second brain we all have as moms that's rattling through all the logistics all the time. That's amazing because you're you're prepared. You got those little hacks and you're comfortable with that and away you go. Perfect. Yeah. There are things that you build over time too. You know, you learn the hard way sometimes and then you're like, hmm, next time I think I'm going to bring that. And you just oh. kind of keep adding tools to your toolkit over time. How true. <laughs> I also bought your kid's book and I read it to my three-year-old and I cried the first time I read it. She's always like, mommy, why are you crying? Why does this make you cry? <laughs> but it was so sweet. It really like, I don't want to give it all away because everyone should just go buy it for their little adventures. But it's really about being attentive and not focusing on getting somewhere, but that because then you're going to miss the journey. So mm. I was curious, what about your travels or adventuring with your kids has taught you that to enjoy the journey? Yeah, I mean, that is exactly what I learned when I introduced children to my life. Um, you know, I was a really into mountain sports before. I still am. I love like a really solid backcountry hike or scramble nowadays. But I used to be into more mountaineering and a little bit more objective focused. And then you have kids and you are going very slowly. <laughs> You're sometimes taking an hour just to walk a hundred meters. But I noticed when I started looking at the world through my daughter's eyes, I started to just see the small things and notice the details, which is what the wonders that I find is about. Um, and then it's kind of served me really beautifully on our world travels because, I mean, we go to places with our kids that are pretty exotic and pretty exciting, but I'm sure I'm also having like a really enriched experience and even more enriched experience than I would just traveling on my own because I've got these little voices pointing things out at me that I might not ever see. Yes, kids certainly take notice of all those little moments and it's so beautiful to live through their eyes. It's incredible. So um, you also write guidebooks and you co-write some photography books with your husband. Can you chat with us a little bit more about that? <laughs> Um, so I've worked on some photography books with Paul. Um, he's got four coffee table books um, that we've kind of collaborated on separately. And then together, we've worked on a series of books catered more towards the tourism market. So where I'm writing more descriptive text and captions and combining that with his imagery. And so, yeah, I just, I like to dabble in lots of different genres. It's one of the really great parts of being a writer is, you know, we have that opportunity. And so I, I write books, I write for magazines and it's, it's whatever really comes my way in that moment. Um, I love to create opportunities too, but sometimes things come your way and it's, you know, I work project by project. So I, I have that opportunity to really sink into something for a while. And then at some point it's finished and then I moved on to the next thing. So over the course of, of the last 15, 20 years, I've been able to put lots of different things out there. Do you have a secret to working with your spouse? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a really good question. And we get that feedback a lot from people actually. They're like, how do you work together? Because we also run Paul's photo company together. So we run workshops, we sell prints and lots of different things. And I manage a lot of the logistics because he's traveling a lot. He's actually in Antarctica right now. 
and so I'm at home running the business. Um, I, I don't think it's for everybody, I guess would be my first piece of advice. Um, but we've really learned to respect each other. And I think, I think that's key, you know, to just really respect what each other brings to, to the situation and to the business and, and honoring our strengths and our weaknesses and, um, communication is key. So every Monday is a meeting, you know, at 10 AM we sit down and we talk through both business and life logistics. And so I guess it's really just like parenting, but with a business. That's a good reminder. Communication is key. (laughs) When Adriana originally started Kids Who Explore, a big thing for both of us as starting our own families individually, luckily we've got to have two babies each right around the same time, which has been so nice, was that we didn't want adventures to stop. We knew that they were going to look different. They're going to be a little different, but we really wanted our kids to be a part of those adventures. So I know you personally had your own kind of experience of what being an outdoor enthusiast meant in regards to climbing. And that was even before you had your kids. So can you talk a little bit about what that that was like, and then also what you would advise other outdoor enthusiasts to think about when they're welcoming kids into the world? Right. So are you curious about like that transition? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, just to give our listeners a picture, uh, you know, I was a creative freelancer and I had control over my schedule. Every weekend was a long weekend for me. We just, we we would take four days and go climbing, go um, whatever we wanted to do. We were living just that optimal uh, kind of level of independence and freedom. <laughs> and so uh, we weren't really natural uh, parents that way we kind of struggled with a decision for a while and wondered you know would having kids really compromise this life we'd built this life that we had created together and at the end of the day we decided that if we didn't have kids kind of now like when we were originally discussing this this is back in 2012 if we didn't have have kids soon we probably never would because it would just get so hard to integrate kids into that lifestyle and um you know, I t- if, when I talk about it, sometimes it sounds so trivial, but I think part of it is just getting into the mentality of like a mountain person. And, you know, I moved from Ontario to the mountains for a reason. And, um, you know, it, it was something that really aligned with my values. And I think that's why it was hard to think about having kids. It wasn't necessarily like I was a completely selfish person, but I just, I just really aspired to to this like kind of life that we had created out here. And so when we did uh, make that transition, it was a tough one. I, I don't think I had the best role models in my life to show me how to navigate through that. I think I tended to read articles written by people who, you know, had like miracle children who were so adaptable and would just like sleep anywhere. Like my first daughter wouldn't sleep, wouldn't nap didn't manage transitions well, didn't like to be too hot, too cold. It, it it was not the greatest scenario to be pursuing outdoor adventures because those things inevitably are uncomfortable, have lots of changes, require transitions. And I couldn't force her to be someone she wasn't. So it was a really tough transition, but I think over time we learned to let go of our expectations the goal literally became to just get out the door. And 
Um, we also kind of bit off a bit too much more than we could chew sometimes. But over time, you know, she's grown into this wonderful, adventurous spirit who's super adaptable, who is mature and enthusiastic. So I guess it's just knowing like things can change, you know, no, don't be too discouraged because all these little seasons of life are actually quite short and you just be ready for the next one. Do you find you did anything to help your daughter with those transitions and those uncomfortable situations? Or do you think it was just time? I'd like to think I had something to do with it, but I, I really do think it was just time. It was just waiting for her to kind of come into herself. I mean, we certainly learned tools as parents to deal better with some of these transitions and how to avoid getting, you know, into the red zone, as we call it, where you like, you you, you know, once you get to that spot, it's very hard to go back. Um, but I think time, and we learned a lot, you know, on our first trip abroad with her, we were moving around every two to five days. And we realized, well, that was too much. So the second trip, we went and got an apartment for three weeks in the same spot and just kind of like reduced the adventure quotient a little bit so we could increase the enjoyment. Yes, you were just trying to kind of find that balance then with your family along the way. That's definitely, I think one of the things that you said there about releasing expectations is one of our biggest recommendations at Kids Who Explore because truly it's all, if you can get beyond your front door, I mean, that is the goal. <laughs> like there, you know, there can be um, a lot to get out there. And so just getting beyond that front door is always so important to us. Um, okay, did you find with your adventures, because you said you were doing rock climbing and some extreme like mountaineering and, and that kind of thing. So your risk tolerance when you did bring um, your kids in the outdoors, how do you feel like that shifted and has it shifted with their age? Hmm. Yeah, this is a big one. Hey, <clears throat> I think there's two components. One is my risk tolerance when my kids aren't with me. And my risk tolerance when I have my children with me. Um, I noticed when I became a mother, my risk tolerance went went way down. I I had actually already started to kind of ratchet it back a little bit before I had kids. That was just a really natural thing that happened to me. I I kind of lost my nerve on a climb and and I've never really been the same. Uh, but I think my maternal instincts kicked in. And I just wasn't really willing to do certain things anymore. I, I didn't stop climbing though. I'm, I'm, you know, I still like to get out there. I just, I have a different relationship with the outdoors in general. Now it's really more about enjoyment. I don't like things that stress me out. There's kind of like no point for me to be in the mountains when I'm stressed. Um, and then with the kids, I think I just really have to lean into my own abilities and understanding. And so uh, my daughter, Leah, was born uh, five years after my first. So that was a that was also a choice. <laughs> we we weren't ready to, to kind of have two back to back. And we did our first backcountry trip with her when she was two months old. And, you know, you think through all the factors, you're like, hey, well, we're this far from the road and we're a lot of, for a lot of people that would be a really uncomfortable situation but for us like backcountry hiking was like our thing we knew how to do it we knew we had a satellite device we knew we were only five and a half kilometers from the road at our like once we got to our our campground 
we were we weren't that far from help right so it's it's like what you're comfortable with and i wouldn't really recommend people do something with kids that they haven't really kind of like tiptoed into first for themselves um and so certainly my risk tolerance has changed as my kids have gotten older and i think the further i get from them being like little babies the more the more i feel myself moving back into my more adventurous spirit for myself maybe it's hormonal and then maybe it's also just me being able to detach a little bit more and um but you know it still goes back to that idea that i'm really out there to enjoy myself now and um you know i i want to be around for my kids so i i make some really clear decisions on that yeah that's that's really good to hear, but it's interesting that the universe does have a rhythm. It's like, you know, like you're saying, you kind of backed off, you had the maternal instinct and then it's kind of shifting in a different way now. Mm-hmm. I know you've done some pretty long trips with your kids. What's the longest trip? And then also, do you have a perfect timeline when traveling with kids? A really good question. So our longest trip was 70 days with our baby when we took her to New Zealand, Niue, Polynesia, and then home through Hawaii. That was really, really long. Um, Plus it was a struggle. So definitely don't really recommend that. Um, Although, you know, some people might be able to pull that off. Um, But we were moving around a lot. It would be different had we gone to a country and rented an apartment for two months. But in this case, we were moving around a ton. Um, my favorite timeline is around three weeks. Uh, three weeks has allowed us to adequately explore certain places or often we'll kind of like split it between a f- like two different destinations or on our more recent trips, like even more. If we're, if we're say in Europe where, where countries are, are close to each other. But three weeks helps us adapt to uh, time change, um, adapt to the situation we're in. And it gives us enough uh, free days where we're not feeling like, oh, we got to be out there doing stuff. You know, like kids need downtime. They need decompression time. And so if we've got three weeks, it's like, well, it's okay if today we didn't do as much because we've got three weeks. So that's my sweet spot, but I really do look forward to traveling for longer. Okay. That's kind of my sweet spot as an adult. So hearing you say that, I'm like, okay, perfect. I'm in. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To add to my Megan Ward fan club collection, I just ordered when I was looking up all your stuff for this podcast, I saw you have, you won't remember this, which looks like a compilation of many people's stories about traveling with babies. Yeah, that was the first book I was part of. Um, I wrote a, a chapter in there. Yeah, that is amazing because that's totally our vibe at Kids Who Explore. <laughs> so, can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah. So, I, I, a friend of mine saw a call for submissions to this anthology, which is a collection of stories written by different writers, called "You Won't Remember This," and. Um, Sandy was the editor um, and uh, I, I was I wasn't a new writer but I, I hadn't really considered you know writing for a book yet and I pitched her 
an idea because we'd just been on this whirlwind tour through the South Pacific. So I wrote a chapter in there about arriving, like the day we essentially arrived in New Zealand. And um, what's interesting is a piece of that chapter actually ended up making it into the memoir, Lights to Guide Me Home. And, you know, it was almost like 10 years between those two things. Um, so it's really cool how as a writer, sometimes you kind of plant the seed and then, um, yeah, and then it kind of comes to fruition later. But yeah, it's a great little book. Um, there's lots of different types of stories in there. Um, and I find it interesting because I've also done a little bit of research about kids and memory and and babies. And it's like, it's not that they don't have memories. They just don't carry them cognitively for as long. And babies remember stuff in their bodies. And I see this in my kids, like you remember stuff in your cells. And so I actually think it's interesting title to like reflect back on because it is very true. They won't remember it, but I do feel like they still carry those memories with them to some degree. Yes. Those early Um, memories are so important. They are. You make it a point to address privilege when it comes to travel and adventure. And is there anything you would like to chat about that? Yes, it's, it was a big component of my journey as a writer to reckon with my privilege as a white, middle-class Canadian. Um, I know that, I know that privilege is a big piece of why I'm able to pursue the life that I do. And I really wrestled with it, uh, writing this book, because there's this part of me that was really like, well, who am I to even tell my story? <laughs> like there, there's, I don't know. I felt like it's even just a privilege to be able to write a book. And um, what I landed on was just that it's because I'm privileged that I want to use the, the that I want to, I want to kind of lean into that. Uh, it's because I'm privileged that I want to fully express the gift that that gives me. And I don't know if it means, for instance, like not going and doing the things that my life affords me to do just because I'm privileged. So it's been like a real point to wrestle with as a travel writer, as a a white settler um, on this beautiful Treaty 7 territory. And I chose not to focus the book on it too much because it's it's not ultimately what the book is about but I felt like it was really important to acknowledge it both in an author's note and then throughout the book identify kind of my personal journey through my relationship with privilege Um, I definitely want to read your book I haven't had a chance to read them yet so I'm definitely going to start reading them what's next on the horizon for work family and travel for you oh wow those are three very different things for me. <laughs> um, work-wise, I'm working on a documentary film right now about Mary Shaper Warren, who was a mountain explorer here in the Rockies, uh, who kind of redefined herself in her 40s and uh, became a mountain explorer, photographer, and writer, and is is known as like one of the first white people to to land on the shores of Moline Lake. So I'm working on a documentary project about her. Um, Family-wise, we're like all over the map this year. My husband's traveling a ton. So 
Uh, we're reuniting in April for a road trip through the Baltic nations. So we're taking our kids through Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia on a wow. road trip. So uh, we'll be tracking that on social media a little bit. So uh, if people want to follow along, that's where yeah. I'll be. People follow along with that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'll often post um, some stories or reels and just um, more collaborating actually with the tourism bureaus over there. So um, we'll be creating some content for them as well. And so what's your handle? My handle is at Megan J. Ward, M-E-G-H-A-N-J Ward. And my husband is at Paul Ziska Photo as uh, where we'll be posting our content. Amazing. We will be. We'll be following and we will link up those handles and your website and all those things in the show notes. Is there anything else you wanted to add today that we didn't get to cover? No, I think you guys asked great questions. I think we got through a lot today. Thank you. This has been so nice. Let's end with our final questions. Yes. In the last few months, what was your best purchase under $100? So I accidentally bought the world's largest heating pad. And yeah. it's incredible. Like I went to replace this one that I had broken. That was, you know, like maybe the size of my back. And I didn't realize it, but I bought this one that is like a quarter the size of my bed. So it's it's basically like an electric blanket, but it's like smaller and it's so comforting and it sounds so silly, but it's like one of the, it's the small things in life sometimes that just bring you such joy. So this my oversized heating pad. Amazing. This is why I love this question because you just never know what answer you're going to get. And then it gets you thinking, maybe I need that in my life too. Yeah, <laughs> you do. Can you share a book, show, or podcast recommendation right now? Sure. I just finished last night the most mind-blowing book called 4,000 Weeks, Time Management for Mortals by Oliver Berkman. And it's it's like not what you think. It's like the most incredible reevaluation of time and how we use it and how we can look at it differently. Yes. Very good recommendation. I was like, yes, I do know that one. That's great. If there was no time or money limit, where would you travel or explore next? This is a really interesting one for you because you're already doing it, but. <laughs> yeah, but I think I would just travel slightly differently. I'd love to spend longer in places. So I would love to take off for a year with my kids and live in three different countries. Do you think that will ever happen? I, I'm hopeful. It, it does require, you know, their school age. It, it's it's requires like some shifting in life and um and especially socially that can be a little bit tricky um as they're you know developing friendships and stuff but I feel like they would learn so much and it would just be such an incredibly formative experience so I'd like to put it back on the on the table now that we're out of this thing that we call the pandemic um you know that definitely that definitely put a pin in things for a while there that's why I was thinking I have to ask if it's going to happen because if anyone's going to make it happen, I think you will. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to. Well, thank you so much for your time today. really appreciate it. Oh, thanks so much for having me on the show. Thanks for adventuring with us. Please subscribe and share your love by reviewing our podcast with five stars and follow us over at Kids Who Explore on Instagram and all other social media platforms. This podcast is produced by KP Media Productions.